Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I interview Professor Agnes Stive. He is a four-time TED speaker, globally recognized corporate consultant and scientific advisor. He provides a disruptive Stive method and tools to master any change with certainty. He, professor of Transformation and Academic Director of Artificial Intelligence at the EM Normandy Business School. He is also the Paris lead of Silicon Valley's founded Transformation Technology Community. I'm excited to talk to him about transformative change, both for the individual, for the self, for the organizations, and for cities at large. And so without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Professor Agnes Stein. Hey, Professor. Look at that. Hey, look at that. <laughs> great, 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 great chat having something special on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, Rubik's Cube method. I've, I, uh, I originally, um, I, I was able to solve that way back in the day when some friends showed me some algorithms, but it's, it's all gone to me now. Are you able to solve those? Yeah, two minutes, pretty much. Uh, we can do a live demonstration if you want. <laughs> but but can you tell a detailed narrative story at the same time while solving the Rubik's Cube? Uh, then it'll take uh, roughly, I think, uh, three to four minutes. Okay. <laughs> I've noticed that the same part of the brain occupies both driving and narrative storytelling. So as especially when people are turning and your brain starts to engage, you rotate and then the narrative shuts off and you're unable to tell the story as you're as you're calculating those things. And I was curious if it was true with the Rubik's Cube. Um, so the truth is uh, mm. we have only one kind of uh, capacity to calculate and process the different kind of sensitive information like seeing the cube and thinking about the story. So therefore, yes, we are kind of overcrowding the same CPU like the processor in our mm. brains. And we know from the neuron uh, networks and how it works and how it how it uh, actually helps us to perceive the reality. It kind of has some limitations there. So yeah, <laughs> I, I would say uh, we know that we have a neuroplasticity, which means we can still improve the capacity of doing the both simultaneously. So maybe later down the road, after a year or two, when we have a, another visit, uh, I might uh, try to be faster with this. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, well, you're you're grinding it down till it goes into like the whole um, unconscious competence section of your brain, and you can just have it run on autopilot, much like. And that and that's actually what happens when you learn the algorithm. And we will mm -hmm. come back to the algorithms because the transformation has the algorithm. The all of all of the things, pretty much, we can uh, kind of uh, narrow down to some particular algorithms, and we can improve the efficiency of those algorithms. This is how I see the transformation and change. Speaking about this. So certainly you can do the one side quite quickly, like mm -hmm. with the basic logic, I, I, many people can do that. But then for the next five steps, there are five algorithms or five uh, components of the algorithm, how you fix it. And then over time when people learn, and I just look back to my own experience, first of all, you look at the video and then you look at the paper and you do, you do, do very carefully watch what you, how you turn it. Mm -hmm. But then later it integrates and then later you don't think and you are just switching the gears, like the mm -hmm. first algorithm, second algorithm, the third algorithm, and hands actually do do the rest. And I'm amazed by that. And my kids do the same thing. And I'm just like, okay, if you can do this, you pretty much can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. And you're right. The, there's uh, 
frameworks and algorithms run so much of what we do, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. And that the the difference between uh, art and science is is conscious versus unconscious kind of algorithms that play through people's brains as they as they go through it. What led you on this path of learning and understanding and mastering and communicating transformation? What 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 is the genesis for all the interest in this and and and, and this kind of uh, lifelong dedication to understanding this? Curiosity. <laughs> curiosity. <laughs> I mean, we we look at kids; they're curious about everything. And if you don't kind of um, suppress that, and mm -hmm. I was super happy. I I'm so grateful to my parents. They didn't do that. They would just let me be. And I was uh, strange at the with my choices and behaviors when I was growing up. <laughs> and and my, my parents already then said, oh, it looks like our kid was going to be a professor. <laughs> because I was curious to observe. I was observing things. I was a very introvert. And I was processing. I was collecting information, collecting, collecting, and, and observing, and, and trying to notice what is different and how the things are relating in the nature. I did my first experience uh, in early uh, childhood. I think I was uh, around age of nine or 10 going to forest and observing trees and the trees get older there's some of the trees fall down and some of the trees still stand but they don't have leaves and branches and i was like okay can i can i predict whether that tree is going to fall if i push it or not so that was my first scientific experiment and because i had a trouble with my weight when i was around in my adolescent years like 13 14 and I really got through the, my first transformation, personal transformation, going every day after lunch on the stadium and running the circles. And that was a, it really required consistency, persistency, and really dedication. I've learned, oh, if that's possible, okay, what's next? And this is how I got into realization that so many people on January 1st, like around the world, what they do, okay, New Year's resolutions, what it tells to us, people want to change. Whether they succeed, we see statistics, no. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, maybe I can do something about it because I've had my own experience and I can share that and I can actually, as a scientific mind, can, can dig deeper and try to decompose, demystify, and actually then reveal how it works. And I, I enjoy that. <laughs> it's beautiful. And yeah, the, I mean, if you look at the history of humanity, it's a history of transformation, right? We've been able to evolve ourselves from being, you know, middle of the food chain to the very top to dominated planets, almost like, you know, uh, techno gods, for lack of an example or uh, term. What do you think is really the, 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 when you demystify it, what are the, the things that allow people to change versus people that, that aren't able to cross that chasm? Because I think everybody has somewhere they want to go in some part of their lives. Um, and some people live lives of quiet desperation, wishing that they can, but not really knowing, not really being able to. Um, so what do you think is the biggest culprit that is stopping people from actually being able to have a long lasting, sustainable change? Understanding. <laughs> Understanding. It's the same with this. I was, I was, what, um, miserable <laughs> trying to solve it when I was a small kid and I had it and I was trying and I was trying my logic and I was, I was thinking about myself like as a, not really like a loser, but like a, um, not very, very successful if I cannot do it because other people can do it. Uh, and I didn't know that there is an algorithm. The same with transformation and the same with willingness of change. People want to change because they envision a better life for themselves. That's how we evolve. Mm -hmm. But the problem is if we don't understand how the microwave works, <laughs> if we don't understand how the bicycle works, if we don't understand how 
I don't know, anything else works, we have trouble with it. We don't know. And the same with transformation change. If we don't understand how it works on our own personal, internal, biochemical, psychological, <laughs> physiological level, then we are just kind of, we are lacking the knowledge. And if we are um, lacking the knowledge, we are, we have the fear of unknown and how, what will happen if I change this and what will happen if I change that. And that makes the people feel discomfortable, uh, discomfort about this, uh, mm -hmm. any change. They're, they're afraid. And what I'm trying to put the change and transformation as a very practical things and explaining that, starting from how the neurons operate and how the, your behaviors are um, encoded into the neural networks. And actually for changing those networks, you just need two, two ingredients, just like uh, every other neuron needs uh, some energy <laughs> and we have the bioenergy for that. So therefore, for me, uh, some people say, well, it looks like for you, the change is transformation is easy. And because why it's easy, because I understand it. And I'm sharing that so that people can understand it. So they take it uh, for what it is. So really um, having the understanding, the knowledge, and also tools, uh, which I also give out. So therefore, yes, it's, uh, it's about understanding it. And um, after you understand it, of course, it requires, as everything that you learn requires your effort. And then it's a choice. After you understood it, it's your choice whether you're going to invest your time to build up your next upgraded version, the happier, <laughs> more aligned, more fulfilled, more achieving, which, whichever your choice is, or not. Then it's your kind of decision. But before that, uh, I think the first barrier is a lack of knowledge and um, resistance to acquire the knowledge. I mean, oh, I don't have time for this. I, I just need to fix this today. <laughs> so. Well, you're looking at, I mean, for example, everyone understands that there is like, let's just say physical health. You're like, oh, diet and exercise. Just don't eat more sugar ever again, and you'll be fine, right? We all logically get that. We understand that, but that doesn't mean that everyone's going to do that. I mean, you can look at smoking cigarettes or any of these other types of habits that we know consciously. We understand that that kills you or that's not good for you, but there are these underlying patterns that have you still do it. You still have a cookie or a cupcake or a thing, what might be. So talk to me about what do you mean when you say understanding? Because everybody understands that diet and fitness gets you in shape, but not everybody can make that change. So how is what's the distance between understanding and actual consistent education that changes your identity? Let's then make it clear. The understanding is about where you want to get. Mm. The lack of understanding is how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> and in getting there, of course, you understand, for example, if it's related with your weight loss, then of course you step on the scale and then you, okay, from this number, you, you want to get down to that number, but then it requires your um, changes in you, some of your habits. And then how to, even if you decide that you're gonna make that journey, I think the first uh, step where people sometimes fail, they don't know which exactly they will uh, apply in their lives, how they will change their lives. Sometimes they just start to randomly pick things and say, well, I want to do this and therefore I'm gonna do uh, 27 things. And they don't have any structure, any, any mindful thought. Therefore, for example, what I, I give out to people and that's the vectoral transformation mm -hmm. model where the, the green vector is pretty much if you, if you point out and say, hey, I want to get my weight down from, I don't know, 200 pounds to 170 pounds. And uh, to, to be there after mm -hmm. some time, I actually need to make my decisions every day in such a form 
that uh, my decision is congruent and consistent with where I want to get. But then uh, you can start with the, again, my suggestion is start with a very simple, doable, and only one thing. For example, don't open your <laughs> fridge after 6 p.m. Just don't do it. So that's one thing. And, and be consistent. So it, it, it also counts that somebody else opens the fridge, so you are not allowed to take anything from there. Or if somebody took out something from the fridge, you are not allowed to take it from, from them. So in that case, if you are consistently moving, mm. that means every single day you are not opening your fridge. You are on the green vector. You are on the arrow to get to where you want to get. And then imagine these other arrows, the yellow one over here and the yellow one over there, which means in this case, you are opening the fridge and uh, not opening the fridge until 6, 7 p.m. And this is you are not opening your fridge until 8 p.m. So you are deviating by the time you're kind of pushing it back. But then again, that means you are not going to get to where you want to get. You are not going to uh, reduce your weight if you are deviating. And this is a very tangible, practical, measurable, <laughs> simple trick. And if you put these arrows on, the, on your fridge and you, before opening, you look at them. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's 7.30. Well, no, it's like 6.30. Mm. If I'm going to open it now, I'm not going to be on the green vector anymore. I'm going to be on the yellow one. And the yellow one is pointing not to that 170 pounds. Yeah. It points to the 195, something like this. So this is the, that's another tool, which, I, which is a, the next, the second tool after the first one. The first one is realization transformation is actually replacing one thought with another one. And the second is how to be consistent. So the vectors come in very handy. Well, let's 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 divide and conquer these, shall we? Uh, but just to explain and just um, auto auditorily illustrate what you're describing is that you're you're saying that there are degrees of uh, of a vector, and let's just say 45 degrees is the vector you want to go on, and that's in green, and plus or minus those degrees, so 30 degrees, um, 15 in each direction would put you off of your course, and so if your course is um, uh, is the resulting to be in shape by controlling your diet, then it's it's 6 p.m., don't open your fridge. But if you open it at 8 p.m. or whatever, then you slide in those other vectors, which will then steer you like a rudder um, into a different island or a different location because you have now chosen uh, a different daily regiment that will shift the trajectory of ultimately where you want to go. Is that to an Exactly. Yes, yeah. and, and again, thank you for translating in, in the audio. And this is the other side of it. So this is the explain, explanation. So if, if you move and you had like a one week of uh, consistency and the second week, but then one day you have a bad day. It's, I don't know, something happens. Something happens with your car. Something happens with your, I don't know, water. <laughs> you don't have a hot water. And you think, oh, it's so late. I'm so tired. I, I just need to survive this kind of a one tiny thing. And as soon as you open your fridge, you're deviating. And immediately you are putting yourself on a different vector, pointing a different. And what I'm showing right now is the green vector mm -hmm. and how you make a decision one day. And it's as you move away from it, you delusionally tell to yourself, I'm the same person. I just made this one step away and then I'm but stepping back. No, 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 no. Geometry doesn't work like this. Once you stepped away, you've you've you almost like you'd redirected your compass mm -hmm. to a slightly different angle. And in the long term, it's it, it's it's moving away the further and further from where you want to get. This is just for uh, 
to cope with our own psychological delusional mechanisms. And we have those mechanisms to kind of keep ourselves in the comfort zone. And why we have these mechanisms to keep ourselves in a comfort zone? Because we are, just like everything else, we are tuned to be very energy efficient. <laughs> so we are saving our biological energy for a better reason, whatever that is. And psychologically, we just say, okay, yeah, maybe I will. I shouldn't do this exercise because it will use my energy. Maybe I will, maybe I will need this energy for something else. <laughs> that's that's interesting because you're talking about. So if you're on the vector of thirty degrees and it's green, it's going to where you want to go. And and with your vector model, you're saying if in one day you decide to open it up at eight p.m., you're completely off your vector and you won't end up at the same dose de destination. If if one day you change, now is it is it one? Because one of the things I've noticed is if you do it one time it's fine, but if you do it multiple times in a, in a row, then you literally, that, that you're, you're, you're keeping that vector course. Is, is, your, is your transformation saying, if you mess up one time, then, then all is lost and you are off the vector, or is it recoverable? That's, that's what I'm curious about with your, with your model. Mm -hmm. A very good question, and that's right to the point. I, that's my style. I always put it in very controversial because this is what <laughs> brings the, the, the neurons into attention. Oh, what's happening here with black and white? It's like a chess mindset. I, I like to play chess, and that's why I kind of see that why, they, why they have like two different colors when you can play with this. So I strongly believe it's extremely important to help people to overcome their own delusional habits of excuses because all this society is doing this <laughs> and if everybody would be saying well yeah you just do it this one time we kind of self-license and there have been scientific studies around this self-licensing once i do a good thing i have self-licensed to do to do some 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 bad thing <laughs> and it's in our genes it's in our um biology it's, it's how we think in our psychology as well so therefore i i really try to first of all put across the message, it's your choice. And by your choice, you either stick very strictly or very consistently, or you give yourselves this, um, what's that? The flexibility, uh, this kind of um, room for, <laughs> for maneuvering. But for many people, it's, um, they are not that ready to have this allowance. And they will be psychologically um, weaker and prone to be kind of slipping further, further away. So that's why I'm kind of saying, okay, this is how it works. And then later when people got into the establishing a new neural network representing the vectors, they kind of understand how the game works. Then after that uh, first phase is over, then you can, okay, reveal to them, okay, perfectly, you, you have managed that far. So now you are, um, you have, let's say, you, you, you've proven that you are allowed to have this extra add-on, which means you can actually do it uh, at, at times, like a one time here, one time there. It's not gonna, it's not gonna, you, you are uh, immune for like a big, um, like um, accidentally <laughs> slipping away from this. <laughs> sure. So what you're saying that in the beginning, when you're setting up and you're trying to do a transformational change, that the it, if you give yourself allowances and the, and, and the forces that have that wiggle room to be able to say, well, uh, every one day a week, I can have a cheat meal. The problem is, is that wiggle room will turn from one day to two days to five days to being completely off the wagon. And so what you're saying, in order to create sustainable changes, you need to stack enough weight or have enough um, 
habitual um, habits going for you that if you make one small change after a year, if you do one cheat meal after a year, that won't have any effect on the whole thing versus if you do it after one week, then it's going to put you way off course because you don't have enough, you don't have enough habitual change to be able to, to, to keep on that same course. And so it's strict in the beginning, but relaxes over time. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And there is a good news in addition to that. Yes, this sure. was perfectly, perfectly correct. The good news is if people, and that's natural, we have, people are different. Everyone has their own experiences, their own situations, circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly fine. So again, I'm showing back the vectors. It's perfectly fine that you put on, on the end here. You say, well, I'm, my green vector is, mm -hmm. I'm not going to open the fridge after 6 p.m. every single day, except one day a week. But that will be exactly written here. So that for them, the game is such that they can do it once, one, once a week. But if they do twice a week, then they deviate. So mm. it's not to kind of push everyone to do the same thing. So everyone can find the, the best uh, comfortable way to start this journey of establishing a new neural uh, habits in their brains, mm. which would be, I can be consistent. I can be following my own um, internal agreements. <laughs> and that's, that's what's missing. Yeah. People just cheat on themselves. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You, If you do that, you lose respect for yourself, which means you're training yourself that you don't need to live up to your standards, which puts you into a negative spiral pattern of, of learned helplessness. And you don't have that. You don't have the actual structure. How do you how do you deal with the challenges? I do want to go back to the, the stories and go into it. But first, I, I want to touch on something of... How do you integrate this into someone that has multiple different vectors they want to change and not just say, um, uh, I'm just saying diet and fitness because it's easy, that and relationships, or you've got multiple things you want to change. I mean, do you, do you put up these vectors all over the place? How, how, do, you, how do you integrate these, these multiple different vectors that you want to change in your life? Rule number one. Mm -hmm. You start with only one. <laughs> you start with one to really experience with multiple layers, mm -hmm. biological, physiological, psychological, uh, societal, <laughs> family level, everything. You start with one. This is mm -hmm. extremely important. The failures with the New Year's resolutions are that people just set the goals that are like too big. And they don't know their own internal reaction on the multiple layers. Even with the with the weight control, how the biology, how the stomach will react, how the how the cells will crave for more energy, and that kind of thing. So start with a tiny thing. And again, for the fridge example, uh, you don't need to start with 6 p.m. Look at what you do today. This is how what I do as a scientist. You you measure the the baseline. Even if when I look at the persuasive city, so city behaves as it behaves. The city residents and visitors they behave as they behave you set out some sensors you, and you measure the baseline okay how do they commute which are using the bicycles which are using the cars okay what is the what is the dynamic here and the same also in this uh, biological mega system which is the body of the person what is happening there and you tiny things so for example if your habit currently is you you eat uh, and you open your fridge on daily basis i don't know that on average like 10 p.m Sure. push it down to push it down to 9 p.m see how it works 
and you build up your confidence. Oh, I can do it. I can do this thing. Okay. And you become curious. You start to push your limits and, and try to experiment with yourself. And you see and you get the confidence. You can do anything you want. And it starts with tiny things. The same with, the, let's say, in the morning. You wake up and you would like to do some some just basic stretching. <laughs> like, to, I don't know, do it for one minute. Which means you just kind of, uh, it doesn't require like... 30 push-ups or something. Just do some stretching arms and legs and something like this. And uh, then you will feel, oh, the body signals, the instincts say, well, this was good. Maybe you can repeat tomorrow. <laughs> this is, the, yeah. this is the, the gene saying to you, your ancestors were doing this every day. <laughs> so maybe. And yeah, slowly, slowly do one thing. And then once you get the first confirmation, it works. Mm. Then make the next one. <laughs> Got it. And do you have... Um... I use the word rituals, but I guess in the scientific methodology, do you have a cadence for how often you review and update your vectors? Is this a week, a month, a quarter, a year? How often, and, and what does those rituals look like for you? Because I'm a scientist and uh, the best subject of my scientific experiments, uh, I myself, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm having this tradition of moving ahead very fast. So I really want to get to the core, get to the essence. So I'm not really doing it very diligently <laughs> to, to say so. So from the scientific rigor point of view, mm -hmm. so I'm just, okay, this is what I've learned. I, I feel it. I'm just applying it immediately. And I don't kind of take like a very proper note. But for the people, when I'm suggesting them to use vectoral transformation, for example, the vectoral transformation model, I'm saying to them, there is a one very practical way how you can realize everyone can realize when is the time and the metaphor for that is the metal detectors so for example you, you i don't know maybe people have seen on the, on the beaches when people <laughs> walk around in the metal detectors and find something they they, they they give the signal like a beep okay and the closer you get something which is in the sand you don't see it but it's something maybe valuable um, metal uh, something then it gets, increases the the frequency of the beep so it's a B, 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 B. And that means whenever you have a question, and your question, for example, oh, do I need to revise my vectoral model? Uh, you can just uh, scan whether it's kind of has a high frequency or low frequency. The same happens with uh, if people don't know exactly what to do in the morning. They wake up and they have like a five things. And they, 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 they're confused. Which one should I start? The same thing. You just, you just ask yourself this thing. And listen to the frequency that that thing and you move like a scanning like a radar over those and when you get the highest frequency then you know it's it's a time to do it the same happens with the vectors you look at the vectors and you feel whether that inner calling is saying okay it's time to revise because it's even too like either too hard mm -hmm. or too easy or too boring we also know there is this uh, flow model when the mm -hmm. challenges and your skills are in the in the in a good balance this, this yeah. is sa the same thing you ask yourself Am I bored or is it too difficult? And then you can, uh, can adjust that. Got it. So it, it, what you use is you use flow as a, as, a, as a methodology and say, am I in flow? Because really that's the, that's the highest form of engagement. And so you need to be challenged, otherwise you'll drop off. Um, or if you get too much, you get too much anxiety, then you drop off as well. So am I in flow as a metal detector? Got it. Well, that's super interesting. <laughs> what about, um, look at this, uh, you're talking about Organism, organisms, right? Like we are an organism, right? We have a lot of competing thoughts inside of us at the same time. The same as same as a as a business, same thing as a city. 
Uh, let's first let's first start with the self, and then we'll we'll go, we'll go up the ladder towards the city side of things. Is that you have inside? You know, when, if you look at like when I look at the hero's journey, right? It's a story of transformation. It's a story of progress, and there's a lot of things that you need to go along the way. There's where you want to get to, but then there is this other internal storyline that is stopping you from where you want to go. So you want like this, there's a terminology that says everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And so, for example, everybody wants a fit body. I'm just using that because it's simple, but people don't want to use diet and people don't want, there's that, there's that inner storyline. There's that inner um, uh, kid that doesn't want to be told what to do and will, and, and will sabotage your desires for growth and progression and transformation. How do you handle that with that internal cognitive dissonance that you got going on? It's a very good term in, in science, cognitive dissonance. There, there are theories about that. Mm -hmm. um, people just need to stop lying to themselves. <laughs> I, seriously, that, mm. that's, that's, that's what I'm saying to myself. I, I can tell you a very honest story um, about writing a book. Because people, whenever I go and giving my talks around the world, they say, well, and what's the name of your book? I say, well, I don't have one. <laughs> okay, when, when, when are you going to do it? Uh, soon. <laughs> and also, I, I'm, I'm seeing on my own example, I even have, like, there have to be very fundamental preparatory, preparatory steps. So you need to get yourself prepared. And I've done um, a few major ones, so freeing up my mornings, for example, and not mm -hmm. to allow any disturbance coming in, so not to go any social media, even not emails. I'm just booking it for myself and then trying to let my mind and subconscious mind to find the best way how to put my content out into the written form. Because yes, I have the YouTube channel. Yes, I have my website. Yes, I have my scientific publications. And that's my comfort zone. But book is not my comfort zone. And this is what I experience. And I, I'm also uh, I'm, I'm debating with my own lies, internal lies. And the lies say, well, maybe the book is actually not that uh, timely anymore. Everybody is watching the videos. Yes, it's, it's coming over and over again. But we have the capacity of changing any thought we want. Mm -hmm. For example, if, if, I, if I believe I'm a bad book writer, and this is usually what I show as, the, <laughs> as this pen, and this, this is a thought in my mind, or mm -hmm. I am not sure I would be, my book will be a success. I, I think that would be more appropriate. And this thought is, I'm not sure that my book will be a success. And as long as I have this thought, nothing's gonna support, not the instincts, not the thinking, not the, the redistribution of my biological energy will not be supporting this endeavor. But the transformation in its simplest form is replacing this thought with another thought. And the other thought have to be the opposite. So that's the trick. So if this one is, I'm not sure my book will be success, I am sure my book will be success. And if this person that you see right now is having this other thought, my book will be success. Of course, I, I want to write this book because this book will be success. And this is at least the one uh, very practical thing that is helping to uh, replace and swap the thoughts and remove 
or replace the thought, and it has to be the opposite. Otherwise, the two thoughts can live together. So I'm not sure my book will be success. Oh, maybe it will be success. And these two can be living in your brains, but this uh, older one will be uh, more dominating, and it will be difficult in a difficult situation to make the the the, the choice for actually writing it. So simplest uh, response is be honest <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's interesting that I, I agree. Honesty is the best way because there's that whole there when there's usually there's this unconscious um, lying going on. Whether it's like you know you really you know pick a thing, um, then you have this you have this this dissonance that's going on. How would you suggest practical and tactical? You're talking about being honest, but there is there is two sides inside someone. There is the desire for growth and progress, but then there is also the desire for comfort. And you're talking about using your internal metal, metal detector system, but like as you get uncomfortable, your all your alarm bells will go off and go, just eat that Twinkie, put it in your mouth. Oh my God, you need it so badly. But it's like, but that's not necessary. And we are back. Thank you so much. The, uh, the internet gods have uh, smiled good fortunes upon us and we are now allowed to continue for uh, reasons unbeknownst to me. Uh, the internet's completely dropped. We got disconnected. Uh, you know, the beauties and challenges of living in this digital age is the fact that we are um, we are all connected as one uh, through the might that is the internet. And uh, sometimes it doesn't always go your way. So um, welcome back, uh, Professor. I'm glad to have you and uh, on, the, on the show. I'm glad to reconnect. Yes, and as I usually refer to these kind of moments, uh -huh. uh, that um, technologies are never perfect. And why? Why they are never perfect? Because they are built by people. <laughs> and people build things the way they can comprehend it, the way they can understand it, the way they do their best. And we have like the best capabilities of the century. But still, this is the result we produce. And uh, obviously, there's there are some rooms for improvement. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I've noticed, too, that the... The more fickle a technology, the more that technology tends to break, the more that you tend to, or humans tend to appropriate identities to the thing. So my, you know, so if a car always breaks, then I can go, oh, that she's always that way. That girl always breaks on me. Or, you know, so I've noticed that that to, to, to err is to be human and to err is to also apply human qualities uh, to technology. And I, and I very rarely, uh, like sometimes I get really frustrated and, and, and it's most always, uh, either with people, myself, or somehow technology. So I've noticed that type of pattern. Um, and with that in mind, picking back up, because we will be sandwiching um, this together uh, with the disconnected part of the podcast that we had, we were talking about cognitive dissonance. We were talking about connecting um, and really being honest with yourself, um, with understanding what you really want. And uh, you were explaining before about that and, and we were going to be sh uh, shuffling or progressing uh, from individuals to organizations and to um, uh, larger communities like cities. And so with any of that being said, do you want to kind of pick up where you took off last as we were talking about this? Yes, there is a very important detail in this um, experience of honesty with yourself. Mm. Again, the understanding, the understanding of what means to be honest, fully honest like fully, completely, wholly honest with yourself and not yourself as your uh, ego, not your identity that you maintain by your conscious part of the brain, 
but everything of you and pretty much this whole uh, trillions of cells of the biology that is actually making you perceive the world. So therefore, the honesty is not about like you consciously thinking, okay, this is how, what I say to myself and this is what I have a conversation in my mind, but the honesty on the multi-layered life, which means biology. Biology is uh, and needs to be understood. If you have a long day and you have, um, let's say, skipped a meal and you have very little incoming energy, like in terms of the bioenergy, like potential energy, eating and drinking, of course, naturally, you have some biological signals saying, well, actually, give us, give us some more. Uh, our, our working cells actually need some more. And in those moments, of course, what people usually tend to look at mm-hmm chocolate, ice cream, uh, cookies. It's a very high carbon hydrate, <laughs> energetic uh, potential energy. That's one, and that's necessary for our brains. The brains are not only brains, but everything. Mm-hmm. And the second is also when we, for example, do sports, what increases breathing. So we actually need more oxygen. So this is the understanding on the biological level. There are two components that our brains actually require on every single change that we are making. So for the cells to regenerate, for the blood to flow, for the lungs to, <laughs> to do their job. And the same goes with the brains. And the brains, if the brains remember your habits before, now you say, well, I will change this habit here. That means a neurons have to unwire and rewire differently. And that's mm-hmm. a job. And for that job to perform, there is acquired extra energy in terms of uh, oxygen and sugar. And what is the problem? Where's the resistance on this biological level is that, imagine this is a kind of uh, um, board of directors and board of directors are represented by the heart, lungs, <laughs> muscles, uh, bones, joints, <laughs> brain, <laughs> ears, <laughs> eyes, <laughs> nose, mouth, everything. And then the brain comes up and says, well, I, I just received an order from the conscious part of the brain and uh, our user says uh, we need to rewire this neural network over here. And for that, we need this amount of uh, uh, sugar and energy allocated to our this task to be done. And then the other board members say, well, muscles say, well, we also need to walk to this fridge and therefore to here and there. And lungs say, well, but we actually need to work nonstop, like 24-7. And this is what the resistance means with the biological level. When the people understand that, then they realize, well, actually, it's not only my conscious thinking here. It's everything, the responsibility and listening to everything, how it works. So this is, to, to sum up the individual level, this is the honesty. You honestly listen to what everything in your body says, not only what you kind of circulate in, as your thoughts in your mind. So you're, so you're talking about your embodied cognition, like the gut being the second brain, that you actually have other pieces of you beyond your conscious comprehension of... Um, I'm doing this because this is good. You actually, you, your, your will uh, has a vote amongst a board members of your internal body. And depending on how strong that vote is, some people have majority shareholder control and the, and those like David Gawkins can go and do whatever and just, just will it. And other people, they have one vote and there's a thousand other things inside of them. And so you don't have, so then how do you, how do you recruit more voters for you? How do you, how do you create that? How do you create enough of that to where you're 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 getting to what you, your the biological truth that that willpower is just one piece of the total sum? 
Is there a way to shift that to actually increase that to get a bigger vote? Or what does that look like? Yeah, you negotiate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is how it works. You eat something like uh, fast food, which is not very rich in nutrients and not very kind of fitting with the natural biology for the, for the consumption. And your body says, well, this was a crap. Please don't, don't come back with this anymore. And then you do something else. And then it says, well, let's celebrate. This was really good choice. Even the stretching, like you, blood, you, you, pump, you pump the blood and it actually says, well, or you drink water. And then you actually, but well, he says, yeah, that's, that was a good idea. And this is how you negotiate. And you, you, you test where the body feels good on the multiple mm -hmm. layers. And then your negotiation continues until you get another vote for you. And this is how it works. You just kind of, you get your coalition bigger and then you start with the one thing and then you get it stronger, stronger, stronger. And once you have negotiated, then you're on good terms with everybody. <laughs> I love that. And so um, one last question about this, I'm gonna shift it up uh, to the, the, and so the, the community inside, uh, talking about the community without, but going first in the community on the inside, is there a, um, uh, uh, a, a way that you kick off these new types of transformations. We've talked about the vector mapping. I know you have a, a, a transformational design framework. Um, how do you kick off a project with someone? Do you do you pull them off to the side and say, okay, tick these buckets. Here's what you need to do. Um, you know, give me a bunch of money, and I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of money back every time you do a thing. Like, what is what is the what? How do you kick off one of these transformational um, uh, pathways? Um, so money is usually a disaster for uh, transformation. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I recently saw a part of some some diet thing I, I was looking at. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But okay, yeah, please. Why? Why is it? Why is it a disaster? It's just like with everything. It's it's a it's a distortion, distortion of reality. And I know this whole uh, show is about reality, and that's why I'm so so sure. much liking it. It's that. If we realize that if we are given anything as the, I, I usually use it as a reward or a carrot for any task, we are not doing the task for the purpose of the task. We are doing the task for the carrot, for getting the carrot. Of course, that's kind of integrated into the fabric of society to some degree. And we have conventionally thinking, okay, this is how it works. But um, it over time has been distorting more and more the people perceiving, well, even the surveys. So you receive a survey and they say, we will pay you or we will give you this gift card at the Starbucks uh, like at, at $10, for example, whatever that amount is. And then you are doing the survey not for the sake of the survey and the quality of responses go down because the, all the things are around the getting this, this reward. So therefore, even attaching any financial and especially financial instrument as a motivation to the journey is uh, putting the people in, in what I call transitional change mm -hmm. or even the transactional change. Mm -hmm. So transaction means you exchange, you go to the shop, you give a few dollars and you get some oranges. That's a transaction yep. and you, you off from the shop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the same happens if somebody is promised, okay, if you will decrease your weight to like a 20 pounds, you will get this uh, trip to Hawaii, whatever that is. And then you are thinking about the trip to Hawaii. And then the, your mission on, on putting yourself on a green vector becomes secondary. And therefore you get, you get your way down here 
to the like minus 20 pounds and you know this is over and then science says that people revert back to where they were and even uh, it, it backfires even more. So therefore, this is a typology of change. So I'm showing like a three types of change. So the transaction, which is the one-time change, transition period of time. So you set some goal, whether that's measurable in, in terms of the uh, pounds or in terms of the month or two months or a year. And uh, the, the psychological, I, I call it psychological jail. You put yourself like say, stay away from sugar for one month. What yeah. you know, after a month, month you're releasing yourself from your self-created psychological check. So therefore, the third is a transformation. Yeah. So transaction one time, transition period of time, and transformation means you remove the endpoint, the deadline, the goal itself, and you keep a direction. You say, mm-hmm. I'm going, I'm gonna be active. Like I'm gonna be a person who is active. And then after, based on this internal agreement, you say, Well. Because I'm gonna be more active, what I can do, I can buy a gym membership, for example. So the gym membership comes after that, after you have gotten the basic agreement, like a master agreement with yourself. But what happens in the daily life, it's opposite. People say, well, oh, I should just get some gym membership and that's how I will become more active. No, it doesn't work like this. (laughs) Because the gym membership has the end date and it doesn't guarantee you're gonna extend it. And it doesn't guarantee you're gonna go to the gym. (laughs) So you're talking about there's a there's um, lack of term is is a mastery path from getting started with just a transactional change to a transitionary time, which is a a, a period of your life versus a the way of your life, the way of life. What is the threshold guardian? What what is the what is the unspoken guardian between transitional and transformational way of life? What is that barrier that people face? Uh, that 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 they come across. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly here. Yep, the borderline. Yep. Yeah, it will sound very trivial, mm-hmm. but that's very true. Mm-hmm. So please, people, <laughs> bear with it. As soon as you set um, something conventionally measurable, like as I said you say a date in a calendar. So I'm gonna do it until then, or that's a measurable in pounds. I say, I'm gonna do it until that amount of pounds, or I'm gonna decrease it until I stick with two cigarettes per, per day or per month. As long as it's gonna have a measurable, tangible uh, thing at uh, w- which you can achieve like practically, as long as that will be there, you will psychologically be fooling yourself. So you will make uh, a, the goal and achievement, which belongs to the transitional, which is a period of time, you will make that uh, those characteristics to fool you into delusion that you are getting where you want to get. But, get, but, but in reality, is not where you want to get. You want to upgrade your identity. You want to become a person who actually doesn't need the scale, who actually doesn't need to think about the cigarettes, who actually doesn't need to think about which mode of transformation to choose or whether to stretch it or not in the morning. So, and that's how internally it's completely different type of game. Mm. One mindset is uh, goal setting and achievement mindset. And that all belongs to transition, unfortunately. 
all of the theories, all of the practices, all of the even scientific studies, they all have this limitation. They put some frame on it. And as, as long as there is a frame, people will be complying to the frame. And the underlying subconscious expectation is, when this will be over, I will be free. And this is what is playing in our subconscious mind. And whenever we have that design of our uh, transformation of our lives or the transformation in organizations, as long as that will be the basic uh, descriptive uh, uh, design, uh, unfortunately, none of the transformations will. There is a chance that some of, the some of these efforts will succeed, but by definition, the, the chances and likelihood is, is quite low. So removing, so that that last thing that people have to understand, <laughs> This is the one. So removing tangible thing or measurable thing in a sense, you can be still on the green vector and continuously measure your, your progress and celebrate it. But you redirect your attention from the goal to the direction. So if you have a goal, which is kind of achievable, you are in a transition. <laughs> if you have a direction where you want to go, you have a transformational mindset. Is, is it necessary to is is this a, a path that you go on is it necessary to go from transactional trans to transitional to transformational or can you go directly to transformational is it is it is is this a is that the the the, the natural path or can you just bypass it it's you can see it as a scale so the smallest item on the green vector, so if you come back to the vector, the smallest thing is a, is a one-time decision, which is transaction. Today, I'm not opening the fridge. Today, next day, I'm not opening the fridge. So you're building the small transactions, which over time is building the transition. So you, you did comply with not opening the fridge after 6 p.m. over the one month. And if you say, well, this was one, one month and I committed to it, that would be, a, again, example of transition. But if you don't have this mindset of, okay, I'm going to set a deadline for doing this, then you just remove the deadline completely. I'm, you, I'm just a person who is not eating after 6 p.m. And then it's not about the fridge. It's not about the restaurant. It's not about the celebration. It's not about the wedding. It's not about anything. It's about you. And when you realize that, then you seek internal uh, power which you have, I call I call it transformation gene. <laughs> so we have the genes. Genes have seen us evolving. They know how to change. They know how to transform. It's just that epigenetics say we sometimes silence uh, habitually or by the circumstances we silence some genes. And I think people have silenced the transformation gene. So when they realize that removing the goal orientation requires you to ask yourself, how do I upgrade my identity? This is when you activate your transformation gene. You realize, oh, I can become the person who is actually just um, careless about the scale. I, I said that recently, people really have gotten from the transition into the transformation. For example, in the weight control. So if you went management uh, issues, uh, you're solving those. You really have mastered to get away from the transition into transformation when the scale disappears from your object of interest and the measurement becomes irrelevant that's when you have gotten into the transformation so the scale as an instrument was helping you to get like the over to 
like a trans transactions, which means you step on a scale, that's a transaction. Next time you step on a scale, transaction. And then you measure over time and you see the progress, like a transition. Oh, I lost 10 pounds over January, 10 pounds over February. And then you realize you don't need the scale anymore. You know how the transformation works and you feel it, how it works internally and you just keep on doing it. And the scale is just, um, yes, <laughs> dusted. <laughs> the, the, the achievement means less because it's, a, it's an intrinsic value that's more of a way of life. And you're, you're talking about like nature versus nurture. You're, and it's really a balance of both that really with epigenetics, depending on the nature, it can affect you and can change your way of life. And then you become that way of life without the actual nature's effect. And so that's kind of, from what I'm understanding, is the, the, the epigenetics of the situations by turning on genes, by having environmental pressures, till finally you become just that, that person, whatever, a, a fast runner because you're training in the high Alps or insert place. Um, how would you, one thing that I, I recently talked to some people on um, podcasts, and I would love to get your your, your thoughts around this because this is a this is a bigger topic, is climate change, and shifting habits and patterns. At, I know that with humans at a global scale, it's very hard to feel like you're affecting change. How would you you know what would you thoughts be on an individual and on like a on a societal level? How would you create a transformational change for climate change? There is a good small question. There is a very practical way to, of doing it. So actually, you asked me before about the methodology. I didn't show it like earlier, oh, yeah. but uh, thank you, thank you. Say, yes, here it is: the eight-step process, and that's a combination of the scientists, scientists, and uh, my work from MIT and also from the Stanford University. And it's a collection. I do it for. Uh, for companies, for organizations, for societies. And there is a tool number four in that framework. The framework is called, actually the whole method is type method. And then there is a framework which is called transformation design framework. And that framework contains tool number four and there are three circles. So for those who are listening, then there is a green circle, the people who change whenever they want. And then are red people who are self-contained and say, I, I'm not gonna do it, it's not in my interest. And then January 1st, so the new year's resolution uh, kind of people in the middle, they kind of want to change, but not successful. And the social influence is the answer. Instead of carrots and sticks, which means the motivators which have the limited power over your transformation, because you will be motivated only as long as they are present. And everybody knows that, even the marketing and the business people know that, but they still use it because they want a short-term gain. But short-term gain never will lead you to their long-term transformation. But the social influence explains that once you have the three groups of people. And also on a global scale, you have people actively caring about the environment, caring about their own health, caring about the health of the planet, about everything. And uh, they, they make different decisions. They make a different decision. The green people make a different decision than the red people. And red people say, I don't care about the planet. Uh, don't bother me with these questions. I will never do this. And yellow people are our target group because yellow people say, yes, climate is important. Yes, I am very concerned about how we live on this planet. But on a daily basis, they make still the old, old decisions or old choices, which are similar to red people. But there is this difference. Red people say, no, I'm, I, I'm consciously against it. I don't care. I, I want a big car. That's it. Big, big moron. That's it. But yellow people is, is, is actually the group of people, I think, that, that's the biggest on the planet. They would say, yeah, yeah, I, I care. But 
they have this, this, the, the difficulty to actually uh, comply with their behavior according to what they say. Therefore, exposing the green people, the, the circle that are already doing it on a daily basis with their activities, with their choices, with their behaviors, with their decisions, make them like make our uh, cities transparent make our uh, environments transparent we can use it through the mobile apps we can use it through the transforming cities ideas which i had about the screens and lights changing the color depending what the people uh, like consume less uh, electricity or or water stuff like that we are having very profound way to change our own attitudes and behaviors based on others we don't need carrots we don't need sticks we need belonging we need acceptance that's how we homo sapiens evolved that's evolutionary we genetically react to other people and if we see other people through technologies today how other people are achieving better decisions towards a better planet that's enough we would be like um, like and that's why there's the colors when i show the circles the the green color is overlapping with the yellow so actually that means the social pull social pull from the green people because they are now visible the closest yellow people like oh i didn't know how many people in my um, residential building is actually doing this kind of a good thing like they have this nice food in their fridge or or they're having this electricity um, saving uh, light bulbs all that kind of stuff and technology can serve this very easily social influences under <laughs> underutilized magic of today and especially the in a technology age we speak about things conventionally and that's again human psychology we just use our five senses and maybe some people say okay we have the sixth sense as well and we can develop more senses by uh complementing our, our experience with technologies like virtual reality or augmented reality mm -hmm. that, that's fine we, we we can use all of this but what is the essential component in this design not only the primary task of getting these experiences but through those experiences we unobtrusively subtly integrate similar other people and what they do and what decisions they make and mm -hmm. if you see oh there are so many other people actually making these decisions that i was willing to do for the last <laughs> three years then naturally you could oh i'm not alone i'm together with these people and i'm belonging mm -hmm. to this group i want to belong to this group and this is how what shifts and it it's very transformative because once the person changes the mind from yellow to green, your green circle gets bigger. And this is how you get more and more um, transformative, uh, like power to be used for, for the transformation on, on any scale, on any scale. Sure. Got it. So you're saying that the, I mean, I mean, it seems like it's either carrots or sticks on both sides, right? You have internal carrots and sticks, you have external carrots and sticks. Um, internal carrot, well, maybe I said that wrong, but if you look at the, for example, money is a carrot and a stick, you know, give money, take money, that kind of thing. Uh, social influence, how other people judge me. It's an, it's a carrot or a stick. People, you know, I want the, I want the recognition, but I, I don't want the, the judgment, right? Which is causes a lot of people um, in the, that, that want to let their internal light shine shut down. But you can also use that as a positive, use that as a force for good by saying, what's the, what's the group that has the identity that you want to achieve? right then going over to that group and then i getting as close to them as possible to where you you start to become a part of that group and just by natural belonging by natural acceptance by natural um uh you're you're cognitively outsourcing um this um 
desire for transformative change because you want to be a uh, pro bodybuilder. So you hang out at the muscle beaches and you go to the places and you, and you, and you, and you see them eat protein bars. So you eat protein bars and you're just, you're modeling and you're mimicking and you're doing everything you can. And then that, and then all of a sudden you get that identity. Then you get a little bit bigger Then someone looks to you and goes, Oh, you're a pro bodybuilder. And then you just, that cycle continues. So you're outsourcing it by, by using the, 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 it's still a carrot and a stick, but it's, it's more of a natural carrot and stick that like we've evolved over millennia to have the social influence versus monetary, which is a very selfish um, carrot and stick that's more intrinsic. So that did I get that right? Or am I missing a piece of that? No, no, no. You actually put it very extremely precise. I'm trying to avoid calling those social carrot and social stick, but I see the, the kind of quality of conversation we're getting here. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it, we could easily call the social influence and, and again, as you mm -hmm. said, judgment or the praise would be the examples of social character, social stick. So therefore, yes, this is how it works. But the difference is while we look at our genetics and biology and evolution, social influence is in our genes, in our, in our survival mechanisms, in our uh, ways how we um expect us to be and it's integrated mm -hmm. and it's mainly guided by the instinctive impulsive reactive fast part of our brains that we share with with, with many other animals which is the survival part of the brain so those who have uh, read daniel kahneman thinking fast and slow that's the fast brain so the, that's that has uh, 300 million years and the younger brother, the, the, the blue part, the intelligence, uh, logical, uh, analytical, and slow, it's only 5 million years. So therefore, also, we can understand that if we build our interactions with the world and we harness the social integrated motivation from other people, it pierces through the logical and directly hits into, into the instinctive one. That's why it's so much more powerful. Because with the logical, we always kind of value whether the penalty of $5 is, is worth worrying or maybe $200 penalty is more. So we are using the logical part of the brain to make sense. But when we see people running out of the supermarket, we don't make any kind of, <laughs> we first we start to run. And then as we start running, we kind of start to observe like, and then, and then the kicks in the logical part. Okay. And why I'm running together with these other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a deeper um, uh, sense of, it, you're looking at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? There's a survival fight and flight, which is the reptilian, reptilian part of the brain going up to social acceptance, which is going to the mammalian brain all the way, all the way up to, you know, self-actualization and all that. So you, it, it, it sinks deeper and quicker of run, you know, you're, you know, fire or ant, snake or something. So that, that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. And what I'm looking for is what about you in terms of the progress that you've been on going on this own journey for you? Um, how do you, ref, how do you armor up for the day? How do you stay refreshed? How do you make sure that you are, like you, 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 you realign with all of these different pieces so that you can keep to those transformational standards that you set for yourself. What is that? What do your daily habits look like? Metal detector. No. <laughs> Metal detector principle is um, sometimes forgotten also in my daily routine. Yes, uh, we, we have what we have. We, we have the brain. 
some uh, inherently um, of, like uh, with some defects <laughs> in so many ways. Like you know, there are these uh, optical illusions. The books, like you look, at, oh, it looks like this. And uh, the scientists, you know, how the scientists refer to these books, uh, they, they suggest uh, to rename these books instead of optical illusion. Do you know how the scientists are suggesting to call these books so that they will be representing the reality more accurately? No. Uh, they, they, they suggest uh, brain failures. <laughs> brain <laughs> Because our, bra our, our brains are receiving signals. And again, reminded, let's be honest, our brains are kept in a dark, silent chamber. And the only brains can do is receive some signals from here and there and try to make sense of it. And this is how what the auto reality is. And if our brain cannot process the image that is uh, kind of made to create an illusion, it's a brain failure. But what I do with my uh, in my master classes, I, I I I take people to a brain gym, so they mm -hmm. exercise this brain flexibility and and get more uh, clearer reality. So my routine, how I get my transformations, my own transformations and the explorations around how to make and the transformation understood clearer, how to make the chain type of chains uh, understood clearer and then made it applicable for the individuals, for the organizations, for societies, is this um, one simple realization. It's like, I can do it. Like if I can change this, I can change anything I want. And anytime I kind of also have this um, natural way of, oh, maybe just enjoying uh, what I have achieved and maybe just stay with this, I don't know. Something in me, some, some curiosity, some, uh, I don't know, the awareness that this journey of um, knowledge creation and the knowledge application, it's infinite. And we know that, that sometimes we illustrate the, the knowledge circle. It's a circle in the paper or the, or the sphere. And the more we know, the more we know that we don't know. And the same happens with, we don't know how the intelligence emerges in our brains. So this is why the artificial intelligence has a long way. Of course, some of the now currently the companies are trying to build the chips and building the chips and directly connecting to the like brain computer interface getting yeah. faster. I'm so excited because this is how we faster will learn about the emergence of our human intelligence. And then, then only we will be able to speak about the artificial intelligence. So yes, for me, it's, it's, um, it's on the one hand, it's, it's kind of natural for me, the curiosity of helping myself to enjoy life better. Because mm -hmm. if I'm mastering change, I, I'm, I'm the master of life because life is constant changes. Everything is a change. Bigger changes, smaller changes. I'm, I'm surprised sometimes when people don't have this awareness that if you understand that everything is a change and you become better with mastering changes, you become better with everything because everything comes, you just master it. And that next thing comes, you master it. You master yourself, you master others and just keep on doing it. So this is, uh, I think, what really fuels my passion just to continue because I enjoy, first of all, I enjoy the results and then I enjoy mm. seeing other people getting happier and smiling and saying, oh, this is how it works. Oh. Is, is that your holy grail, mastering your change to master your life? Or what is your holy grail from all of these studies? That's pretty much it. Yes. I, yeah. And I was I was making steps towards it. It, it, it didn't arrive me, it didn't fall on my head one day. It was like a very kind of intuitive uh, curiosity bringing me closer, bringing me on this journey. And I wasn't uh, any way 
um, um, kind of um, fooling myself to get away from this. I was just uh, I was just letting myself uh, go a certain directions that felt to me in more alignment with me. So I was just like, okay. So yes, maybe the one sentence that people would really need to kind of take as a quote and maybe put somewhere, uh, everything is a change. And becoming the master of change is how you pretty much master your life or anything you want. <laughs> I love that. And um, um, is there, right now, do you have a dragon that you still need to slay? What's the, what's the thing preventing you from your holy grail? If there is one, I think what I just told about getting more understanding of our own intelligence is the place or the process or the challenge that if we get that part clearer sooner or faster then we have more progression towards uh, improving everybody's experiences. And why I'm saying this, I'm saying this whenever I speak about artificial intelligence is that it's not the problem of technology. I have two master degrees, so computer science and MBA, so I kind of understand both. I, I, I can translate and I, I feel very comfortable with this. So in the technology world, for any really advanced engineers, what they need, they need requirements for software requirements for technology. Okay, what it's supposed to do. And the problem with the other world, or let's say the non-engineering world is uh, to give a proper instructions. Okay, what do we expect it to do for us? And if people haven't gotten the understanding how the change works or the transformation works in the multi-layers, so biological, psychological, physiological, societal, global, if we don't understand how it works, we cannot tell technology guys, the engineers, what we want what to do. And that's why we cannot tell even the proper instructions for, for the artificial intelligence. And technology has pretty much, in my observation, has two roles. So number one, it's an amplifier, and it's going to amplify what we told it to do. So if we give poor instructions, it will amplify poor instructions, we'll get poor results. If we get good instructions, then it will amplify and be much more successful all of us, that's step one. The second one is technology turns out to be the biggest mirror of our human nature. We can see ourselves the clearest. The more technological progress we make, the clearer we see ourselves. All the dark patterns, all the ethical dilemmas, or the psychological decisions that are not possibly in favor of everybody, everything we see through the designs of the platform to the designs of uh, how businesses use technology technology is, is, is the greatest mirror where we can see our our human nature with the black and white <laughs> intertwined yeah uh, it makes a ton of sense so they all say that technology is a race between utopia and disaster and if you look at mankind um you know that is the the battles that we fight um and uh, our own internal struggles uh, and it's only mirrored outwards so that, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, you've been super gracious with your time uh, at internet technology hurdles and all. Um, is there anything last that you'd like to let people uh, know about before you tell people how to get a hold of you? Um, the honest realization, like, 
what gift everyone has gotten, which means this um, intelligence on the on, on the cell, cellular level, like the biology that is uh, helping you to wake up every morning. And you don't even need to think about it. Like, and then you have the luxury of this conscious mind to then choose what you will make your body to do, what you, how you will feed it, what you will make it to walk here and there or do certain things. That luxury every morning that you wake up, it's, it's, it's the greatest gift that people have. The next is if people don't know what to do with all this luxury, that's the first trouble. And so the greatest reminder uh, for everybody, I would like to pay people's attention. What are the thoughts that you have uh, first in the morning in your mind? And if there is no clarity, if there is no, let's say, some, some positive directional thinking, you pretty much, you can think about yourself whichever way you want. But if you don't have this kind of, uh, well, I think very basic thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm still doing it myself. It, it's not, it doesn't come easy. Again, just to not kind of make the creation, the illusion, okay, yeah. these are the smart people, they, they have mastered and they should be there. No, it, we have everything the same. But what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do, to do it for myself and for the others. So the one takeaway really, really, that is extremely transformational. Because if you wake up in, in every morning and you have the routine, Mm -hmm. And in, if you place the first thing when your conscious mind connects <laughs> to your body, the first question is, okay, what am I going to do with this luxury today? Mm -hmm. so, and so, you, and you, have, you have choices. <laughs> beautiful. So, uh, the, we've been given a gift, the luxury of choice in the morning, which is some are unconscious to that. And the best thing that people can do is to be conscious of that and give themselves a greater choice and understand that it's a gift and a luxury that we should respect and honor and use to the greatest advantage that we see. And that's, that's beautiful. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you or find out more about what you do, um, besides the upcoming book you've got going on, um, how, how do people get a hold of you or find out more about what you do? So as you see, I'm quite uh, technology savvy. So I put my <laughs> my website right there. So it's my name, surname, agnestai.com. So that's the gateway to transformation. So there are talks, there are scientific literature. You can submit your own problem there. You can actually download the, the framework that I showed. So the basic introduction is there for everyone. I, I, I really believe it's not about not sharing the knowledge. Knowledge should be shared. And then people, when they realize, okay, this is something valuable, then they need some help how to apply here and there and then and then the youtube channel comes in very handy so i also have a youtube channel so there are videos where i explain some of these concepts how they are applied uh, in a different um, to solve different problems or to help people actually to be happier because if the problems are solved what people do they smile and clap and celebrate and i think uh, transformation is i think the most effective tool <laughs> to get your happiness and fulfillment 100%. No, I think it's beautiful. Well, Professor, it has been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, I look forward to seeing you online. Have a beautiful day, okay? Yes. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care now. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others.
Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.